Hello and welcome to this episode of Smarter, a podcast by clinicians for clinicians brought to you by Marta, an Australian leader in healthcare for more than a century. My name is Gillian Whiting. And I'm Catherine Cooper, Clinical Specialty Coordinator for Mothers, Babies and Women's Health at Marta. And we're coming to you from Mianjin, the land on which this podcast is being recorded. Today we're joined by Dr Adam Bush, Senior Specialist in Obstetrics and Gynaecology at Marta Mothers Hospitals. Adam joined Marta in 2019, quickly cementing his place as Clinical Director of its Flying Obstetrics and Gynaecology Service. Prior to that, he spent 21 years in Gladstone in central Queensland, where he delivered nearly 6,500 babies across the private and public system. Today, he's joining us to talk about preterm births, in particular, cervical cyclage, the purpose, procedure, risks and results. Marta. Caring for the community for more than a century. Innovators in health, education and research. Home to world-class clinicians. State-of-the-art facilities. High-quality patients. Australia's and largest and leading maternity. scientific discoveries into life-leading healthcare advancements. We are Marta. We are Marta. We are Marta. This is Smarter. Adam, welcome to Smarter. Thank you. For those clinicians who don't work in maternity, can you explain what a cyclage is and what's the purpose? Yes. Uh, a cervical cyclage is a stitch or a suture that's put into the cervix either during pregnancy or before pregnancy to try and reduce the risk of a certain complications in, in that pregnancy, those complications being mid-trimester pregnancy loss or very early preterm birth. But there are clear indications for a cervical cyclage but there are also other cases where it's not so clear. So very much we're trying to use evidence-based medicine. So Adam, we'll ask you some questions in a little while about the nitty-gritty of the procedure, but you said it's clear who gets a cyclage. Can you tell us who that might be? So it's when I say it's clear, it's clear for a small number of women. Uh, those women would be uh, women who have had mid-trimester pregnancy losses and particularly repeated mid-trimester pregnancy losses uh, or repeated early preterm labour. Um, so the one of the um, indications is what we call a history-indicated cervical cyclage. So that's someone who's had three previous pregnancy, either losses or preterm births. Um, so for someone who's had three preterm births or mid-trimester losses, that we would recommend a cyclage as being likely to improve the outcome. We also use... Uh, ultrasound scan and ultrasound scan for measuring cervical length has become an increasing part of our practice. It's now routine practice to measure the cervical length at a morphology scan and that will also pick up patients who are at risk of the cervix opening up early in pregnancy. Um, And for those women who have a poor obstetric past history and a shortened cervix, uh, that would be another indication for cerclage. So you've made the decision of who's to to receive the cyclage. At what stage of pregnancy is it generally performed? For women where it's very clear that a cyclage is likely to be helpful, we would offer that before pregnancy, so prenatally. And there's a couple of advantages in doing it before pregnancy, and that is that the you don't have the same risks of putting it in that you do during the pregnancy, and also it's possible to get the stitch much higher in the cervix um, the higher the stitch is put, the more effective it's likely to be. The most common time to put in a cervical cyclage is at 12 to 13 or to up to 16 weeks. So 
the idea there is to put the stitch in before the cervix has a time to start shortening. We don't want to put it in sooner than that because uh, unfortunately a lot of early pregnancies will end in miscarriage or with other complications and so we don't want to put a stitch in before the pregnancy has got to that point where we can be fairly confident that it's a, a healthy ongoing pregnancy. Uh, and we would also offer patients early pregnancy testing for genetic abnormalities before they have a suture put in. So that's one time we put it in, so 13 or 14 weeks. Uh, sometimes we'll put it in uh, later because of evidence that the cervix is shortening on ultrasound scan. What role does the patient uh, play in decision-making? So what are the options if, if they don't want to proceed with a cyclage? Very often the, the decision of whether to put a cyclage in or not is not clear-cut um, and so the we very much encourage the patient to be involved in that decision-making. The reason it's not clear-cut is because the cyclage is not without complications and a lot of the complications are the things we're trying to prevent. Uh, so the, the risk of introducing infection, the risk of rupturing the membranes uh, and the risk of preterm birth and early pregnancy loss. They're all co potential complications of the cyclage. Um, having said that, the risk of those things happening is less than the the risk of the things that we're trying to prevent um, in well-chosen patients. So the other the other thing that's very important to know is that there are alternatives. Uh, the main alternative is using progesterone pessaries. Um, so pessaries meaning put in the vagina. Uh, and there are some studies that show that the effectiveness of progesterone is equal to the effectiveness of cervical cyclage in some women. And so we, we very much encourage women to be involved in that decision-making process. And you, talk, you talked about putting it in potentially before someone's even pregnant, mm -hmm. but you also said there are risks and obviously if they're not already pregnant, the risk of rupturing membranes is not there. But what's about the risk of infection? Like how early could you, what if it took me a year to get pregnant? Can I have it in all that time? You can. Um, there's good evidence that uh, having a, a stitch in before doesn't uh, affect fertility. Um, one of the advantages of putting it in before pregnancy is that it can be done abdominally. Uh, so this can either be done with a, an abdominal operation or with a laparoscopic operation. Uh, laparoscopic operation is slightly, slightly more difficult technically, uh, but it has uh, less morbidity than a, than a, a bigger cut. Um, and the advantage of putting it in abdominally is the stitch is going to be higher in the cervix and therefore more effective. The disadvantage of us putting it in abdominally is it's very hard to remove um, and so generally it's left in there um, possibly forever. From a patient's perspective, um, cyclage is potentially something that they haven't really heard of before. What support or what counselling or what, what conversations do you have with the patient at that point? So the consent process and, and the discussion around a cyclage is normally done at a fairly senior level. So, so it would be most commonly at our hospital, uh, the patient would be seen by a consultant uh, and have that conversation. And sometimes that conversation has to happen more than once uh, because it is a complicated issue. Although we sometimes talk about emergency cyclage, uh, that, that's for patients who present with um, the cervix already opening up, there's still potential to wait for several hours before putting the stitch in or even to wait for 24 hours. Um, so there is time to have those conversations and for patients to be involved in the decision-making process. The cyclage, which means hooping in French, was first performed transvaginally in the 1950s, while the first transabdominal cyclage was placed in 1965. 
talking about the timing of this procedure, when is it too late? Generally speaking, we wouldn't put a stitch in after 24 weeks uh, because the benef- the potential benefit of putting a stitch in later is less and the risk of complications is relatively higher at putting it in later. So generally 24 weeks would be our cutoff here. Some There are some hospitals around the world that would go up to 28 weeks, um, but sometimes it depends on what services you've got to offer uh for a baby that's born at 24 weeks. Um, so a baby that's born at the martyr at 24 weeks has got access to the, the very best care available. And so we wouldn't normally recommend a stitch after 24 weeks. Focusing on the procedure itself, uh, the patient, is it general anaesthetic? So you do need an anaesthetic. Um, the choice of whether to have a general anaesthetic or a regional anaesthetic, that's a, a spinal anaesthetic, uh, similar to an epidural, uh, is very much a decision between the the obstetrician, the anaesthetist and the patient. It's quite reasonable to do it under uh, under a regional procedure rather than a general, but most of the time it's done under general anaesthetic and that's often the patient's choice. And you mentioned before that it can be done vaginally or abdominally. Is there a, a preference or does it depend on the patient? It uh, depends on the... Uh, so we wouldn't normally do it abdominally after 13 weeks. It, it becomes very difficult to do a, an abdominal procedure after 13 weeks of pregnancy. Um, so once it's got past that stage, we would be doing it vaginally. Uh, and the the actual technique will often depend on the surgeon doing it. Um, there are a few variations in the technique um, and there are pros and cons of the different uh, techniques. Into the nitty-gritty now, can you tell us a little bit about that? Like what suture, what type of suture material? There's a couple of choices. As, as far as suture material goes, we traditionally we've used a Merselin tape, uh, which is a, a braided tape. Uh, and the other alternative is to use a, a nylon uh, suture. Both of them are non-absorbable, so the idea is that they stay there until they're removed. The advantage of the tape theoretically is that it's broader. It's about five millimetres in width, um, so it gives a broad um, pressure on the cervix. Um, the potential advantages of the nylon is that it's easier to put in because it's a, it's a thinner uh, material, easier to tie um, and potentially easier to remove as well. Uh, there are some. St- there have been studies looking at which is superior, and there's not really any evidence that one is superior to the other. There's there is some evidence that the um, the nylon may have a less infection uh, risk, but it hasn't been shown to change the outcome uh, as far as the baby's concerned. And is it? Fairly straightforward? Is it like a one-size-fits-all or you do have to modify according to um, patient? So you, you do have to modify the operation mainly depending on the length of the cervix that is there at the time. So as I said, often we're doing it at 13 weeks when there's some uh, a reasonable amount of cervix to use, um, but sometimes we're doing it later in pregnancy when the cervix has already been significantly thinned out mm-hmm. and that makes it technically quite quite difficult. The other decision we have to make is whether to put the stitch straight into the cervix that's visible in the vagina or whether we need to uh, operate further and reflect the bladder, so pushing the bladder up and possibly even pushing the rectum up to get our stitch higher. So that obviously increases the risk of complications, but it also makes the, the stitch more effective in what we're trying to achieve. What d- difference does all of those things make in terms of the rest of the pregnancy and impact even postpartum? So the... The big question uh, would be around removal of the suture. Um, so the, the higher the stitch is, so if it's an abdominal stitch, we can't remove it easily. 
Uh, if it's a, a vaginal stitch that's been put in with reflecting the bladder or reflecting the bowel, it can be quite difficult to remove without an anaesthetic, uh, whereas most of the time we can remove it without an anaesthetic, which is very important because um, when the time comes to remove it, sometimes that is because the patient's in labour, uh, which is one reason we remove it. Uh, and the reason we remove it then is because it can tear through the cervix, which is a, a serious complication. So it's important that it's easily to, easy to remove. Um, the If we don't remove it because of labour, then we would often plan to remove it at 36 or 37 weeks. So once it's done its job, we would remove it then. Sometimes that decision of when to remove it depends on the type of delivery we're planning. So if we're planning a caesarean section, um, often it's left until the time of the caesarean and then removed at the time of caesarean section. The frequency of cyclage complications is higher with increasing gestational age and cervical dilation. A meta-analysis of 44 trials and studies with a total of 4,500 singleton pregnancies noted the most perioperative complications occurred in physical examination indicated cyclage, also known as emergency or rescue cyclage. Meanwhile, the fewest complications occurred in history-indicated cyclage, also known as a prophylactic cyclage. Can we talk more broadly about the risks and how they differ according to abdominal or vaginal? The main risks are of damaging nearby organs, so that's the particularly the bladder and the bowel. With an abdominal procedure, that has to be done very carefully because it is possible to damage the, the bladder. We're operating very close to the bladder. Having said that, in a patient who's not pregnant, it's it's easier to to see uh, where the bladder starts and finishes. Whereas in uh, in a pregnant woman, uh, the uterus is getting bigger; it's starting to make things more difficult. It's also more vascular; there's more chance of bleeding. The main risks are around introducing infection uh, and rupturing the membranes in when it's been done in pregnancy. Um, there's also concerns that the presence of a stitch could lead to infection. So even if the stitch is put in before pregnancy, the, the fact that there's a foreign body there could intro introduce infection later, although that doesn't seem to be a big risk. It's very uncommon that that would cause a problem. How often is, would we rupture membranes? So the risk of rupturing the membranes really depends on the situation. Uh, it's more common with what we call an emergency cyclage, which is where the cervix has already started to dilate. And we're, sometimes it's called a rescue cyclage, where we're trying to re reduce the, the membranes which are bulging into the vagina and then closing the stitch, uh, closing the cervix. Uh, and that there's fairly high risk of rupturing the membranes. Although there's a high risk of rupturing the membranes, there's a very high risk that that pregnancy is going to rupture the membranes anyway because of the process that's going on. Um, but generally speaking, a, a stitch that put in at 13 weeks, it's, it's uncommon for there to be complications. So do we consider tocolysis or antibiotics or any of those things? So we definitely consider them. Um, again, we try and use evidence-based uh medicine um, and the evidence for tocolysis is not particularly strong. It sort of makes sense to use tocolysis to stop contractions but there isn't good evidence that it does make a difference. And similarly antibiotics, um, the evidence is not strong. There, there is one good paper that suggests that using both antibiotics and um, tocolysis at the time of the um, procedure uh, can reduce the risk of complications. Um, but it's not strong evidence. Yeah. And so once the cyclage is in, how do we know it's working? Like how do we monitor its ongoing effectiveness? Do we do scans? Do we? How often does that need to be done? Generally speaking, we do one scan afterwards to see how well it's been placed. Um, 
there isn't strong evidence that that's necessary, uh, and there there is good evidence that we don't need to keep scanning after that. So once the su- once the suture is in and we're happy that it's in the right place, then it's really managing on clinical signs. Um, it's very rare to put a second stitch in. Um, there is some evidence that if the sti- first stitch has not been placed well, a second stitch might improve the outcome, but that's very uncommon. What about the patient in this uh, situation? What do you tell them or what do you need to impress upon them at this point after they've had a cerclage? Can they return to work or is it bed rest? What what do you need to say to them? Or again, does it actually depend on the patient? So again, we, we try and be evidence-based uh, as much as we can. Um, the traditional advice has been bed rest, abstinence from intercourse, sometimes stopping work. Um, there isn't isn't good evidence for any of those things um, as far as far as changing the outcome. It is important that we advise patients that they present early if they've got signs of labour. Um, so if their waters break, if they're having contractions, if they're having bleeding, we want to see them uh, so that we can assess them and remove the stitch if if it's appropriate. The the benefit of putting a stitch in is in prolonging the pregnancy, but it's not necessarily in getting to a full term pregnancy and for some particularly for someone who's had a poor obstetric history in the past we're really hoping to improve their their gestation so that they've got the best possible outcome but they do need to be aware they can still go into preterm labor can you say how common this procedure is have you got any figures to to help us so it's not a common procedure i did look up the figures uh, this week and um we did 51 cases over the last 12 months uh, for a hospital that delivers 12,000 babies a year. So it's not a common procedure. Adam, um, cerclage is in. It's been a success. When does it come out and how does it come out? You talked a little bit about sometimes taking it out at Caesar, but if it's a vaginal birth, like when and how do we take it out? So if someone presents in labour, um, it should be removed uh, because of that risk of tearing the cervix, which is a, a which is bad both for this pregnancy and for future pregnancies. Uh, the ideally we would like to remove it electively uh, and we normally recommend that at 36 or 37 weeks. Um, some some places would remove it at 34 weeks um, depending on different hospitals. With a regional block or not a no, GA? Hopefully you can remove it without an anaesthetic. Um, they can be technically tricky to remove but um, usually they can be removed um, without an anaesthetic. Um, one of the recommendations is that when a stitch is put in, that um, that advice be given at that time for whoever's going to remove it as to how it was put in, how it's going to be removed. Are they easy to see, like with a speculum? Usually. It depends whether they're tied uh, anteriorly, or, anteriorly or posteriorly, so that's one of the things that needs to be recorded in the notes. And the other thing that's important to know is that some, some doctors will do a single knot uh, and some will do a double knot. The double knot makes it easier to grasp the the, um, suture and then remove it, providing you know that there's a double knot and you cut under the second knot, uh, not between the two knots. Uh, If you cut between the two knots, you actually make it harder to remove. And So that documentation is really important. It is very important, the documentation, Uh, and there are certainly cases where people have thought they've removed it and haven't removed it completely. How long does that take, that process? Uh, It's like a speculum examination and clinical examination takes five, ten minutes. Okay, before we go, I'd like to introduce a little segment called The Checkup. So we want to know more about Adam, the medical professional, and Adam, the person as well. Okay. So bear with us. Catherine's going to ask you five quick, simple questions. You ready to go? Ready to go. Okay. What's on your surgery playlist? 
Uh, I used to listen to classical music, but now I tend to leave it to the nursing staff to choose the music, and I get to listen to some very modern music. Ah, eclectic. I like it. (laughs) Um, If you could impart one piece of knowledge to a medical student, what would it be? To love what you do. What's your superstition? I don't have any superstitions. (laughs) (laughs) If you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? I would be a historian. A historian. Oh. And who do you admire? Uh, one of the reasons I love working at the Marta is there are so many people to admire here. Yourself included. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you. That was great. Thank you. So, so great to get all that information from you and also to know you as a, as oh, a person as well. Adam, thank you so much for joining us on Smarter. Thank you. Well, for our listeners at home or in the car or having a well-deserved break between patients, thank you for tuning in. Join us for our next episode where we continue exploring preterm births and how to prepare for one with Dr Emma Patterson, Deputy Director of Obstetrics and Gynaecology at Marta Mothers Hospitals. See you next time on Smarter. Smarter.